Velkomin til the Icelandic Roots podcast, where we explore the rich, vibrant culture of Iceland, from its stunning natural wonders to its unique traditions and customs. We dive into the heart of what makes Iceland, Western Iceland, and New Iceland so special. Join us on a journey through the land of fire and ice, where the northern lights dance in the sky and glaciers meet the sea. We'll meet local experts and hear their stories and discover the music, art, and literature that defines Icelandic culture. So sit back, relax, and let's immerse ourselves in the beauty of Iceland. I have a deep connection to New Iceland that was a rich part of my upbringing. My mother, Juliana Roberts, formerly Gudbjörnsson, runs the New Iceland Heritage Museum in Gimli, as we just talked about in the first episode. Uh, so my connection continues to grow stronger, as does my grasp of the Islandska. As a participant of the Snorri program in 2022, I was inspired to share many amazing aspects of Icelandic history and culture. In the spring of this year, I graduate from the University of Manitoba with a bachelor's degree in supply chain management and marketing. Uh, I'm sure you guys are all now wondering at some point who's who's running these episodes. Obviously, the podcast has picked back up and there's some action. And uh, we're hoping to come at you guys at least monthly, potentially more if we've got the support about it. But um, yeah, myself, Owen, along with my two friends here, Jack and Cass, I'll let them introduce themselves further. Hello to all of you listening. Uh, My name is John Plumley, but you will all know me as Jack. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to co-host this uh, podcast with Owen and Cass, two people that I did not know at all prior to going on the story program. So I think this is another great example of how you can make connections with people uh, that you have a shared ancestry with. Um, But a bit about myself, I try to be as much as I can a creative person and I enjoy writing and making videos and doing podcasts as well. This is all very fun for me to create content like this. Um, And I always like to say that my passion for storytelling uh, truly stems from my heritage, uh, my Icelandic heritage. So I am a third generation Icelandic Canadian on my mom's side, on my maternal side. And her parents both uh, lived in Saskatchewan. And that's where their parents uh, emigrated to from Iceland. I learned so much on the story program about that about that heritage uh, so much more and being able to you know physically go to the land of my ancestors, a place where I would hear my Ami and Avi talk so much about as I was young, uh, was really quite powerful. I am excited to continue this journey and to continue to expand my knowledge. I feel like I still have so much more to learn about the culture, about my heritage. And uh, what I appreciate as well is thinking about like Iceland going forward into the future. And maybe we'll touch more on this in the podcast, but uh, just going to the country itself and learning from people living there today, it made me think about, you know, the role Iceland can play in the future of the world as well. So that's a little bit about me. And now Cass can introduce herself as our our third co-host. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Jack. Um, My name is Cass Highgard. I grew up and was raised in Northeast North Dakota um, in the Garter and Mountain area, surrounded by all of my Icelandic family um, growing up. I'm only actually a part Icelandic, but I it was kind of a running joke when I was growing up that like, nope, you only say you're Icelandic. You are 100% Icelandic, no matter what, what anybody else says. So I definitely was raised with that mentality and that definitely led me to the Snorri program and led me to want to spend... Um, you know, five, five and a half weeks there this summer. 
Um, I now live and work as a school social worker in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and like I said, my love of my Icelandic heritage really just came from my family and um, just stories and traditions. And then we grew up on all sorts of Icelandic food. But when I went to Iceland in 2017, I went with my parents and I that was the first time I met a lot of my Icelandic relatives. And uh, they introduced me to Icelandic ice cream when I was there. And so when we went the summer for the Snorri program, I made a joke, just a quick joke, that I was going to eat ice cream every single day. And that kind of turned into my newfound passion project, which is my Instagram account, My Land of Fire and Ice Cream. You can follow me there. Maybe you already know me there. I have a whole 130 followers. So at Land of Fire and Ice Cream, check it out. Good stuff. Um, and you'll you'll see Jack and Owen. They are oh. heavily featured in my <laughs> in my stories. So, um, yeah, and that was just kind of my intro to storytelling, I guess. And when I was approached about this podcast, I was like, I I don't know if I have what it takes to do a podcast. And the person that was talking to me was like, No, I saw your ice cream interviews. You got this. <laughs> so that is truly. Ice cream led me to this podcast. That's awesome. And and your Icelandic heritage led you to the ice cream. So it all comes down exactly. to ice It's a full circle at the end of the day. Um, that's really good points you guys brought up about uh, family there as well. Um, and yeah, that was definitely a big one for me. And I know uh, Snorri was the first time for me going to Iceland. And uh, maybe I'll just use this point as maybe our transition just mm. into kind of the first reactions when we first got there. And um connecting us from that family for sure my um same thing just talked mm -hmm. about like going back to the homeland and like being able to smell that and like seriously that was one of the craziest things walking off the airplane as soon as you got there and just like fresh ocean air and all the moss around you is just so full of life Dude, like it's so funny i try to describe to people like the first impression and i don't know maybe other people have this experience as well the first time they go to iceland and just like the way the air feels and the smells, it's not like, like, it's hard to pinpoint. All you can really say is like fresh ocean air, crisp, but yeah. And it's so, it's so powerful. And unfortunately, like when you're in a place for a while, your senses kind of toned down. Yeah. You get accustomed to it. Yeah. But it was so like powerful and I'll never really forget like just the way it made me feel the sense of smell, but just like the feeling in general. And I don't know, it was also sort of a heightened thing. So I remember like we left Canada, depending on where you flew from. Um, but I left Vancouver at like 6 p.m. And then we we're getting to Iceland at like 6 a.m. there, right? So in this like weird, funny way, you lose a night of sleep. And besides like napping a little bit on the bus to Reykjavik, it was like uh, essentially staying up for a day and a half and then sleeping and trying to get accustomed to the Iceland time zone. So I don't know if that was like in some funny way you know, changing our senses. Made it a fever dream. <laughs> well, I think the other thing that was so interesting too was like, I met two other snorries at the airport and I had never met them before. And then it was like immediately like, oh yeah, like you're basically my family now. Yeah. Let's go. Like, let's go that do this That was mine thing. as well. And like, that made it all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was mine with uh, Sam. We first met in Winnipeg and then he saw me with the hat on and, uh, of course, from there, that was it. And then I was the first one in line on the Toronto flight. So then all these local Icelanders were coming up and they were like, oh, 
is this the flight to Reykjavik? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm wearing the hat. Like, I'm just here early. They're like, oh, great. <laughs> and then they're looking me up in the Eastland Dinga book, and they found me because they added us for university. They're like, oh, you are an Icelander. It's like, yeah, I told you, folks. I flew out of Minneapolis. So I met up with um, Grace, who's coming from Wisconsin, and then Sierra, who grew up, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from me in North Dakota, but you know, I'm, I'm a whole decade older than Sierra. So we actually never met before, but now we're super close. So it's really fun. Nice. Yeah. No, I think that just like uh, what you said, Owen, and that's cool that you had that experience before even being in Iceland, but when you're there, and of course we were in the database and everything based on our heritage, but you know, just going out and meeting different Icelanders, um, and uh, they, they can look you up in Islandinga book and see their relation to you. Even, it didn't even matter. Like it could be the most far off relation, but just like seeing that connection was all that it took and immediate added camaraderie, which was so powerful. They're like, oh, family. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that was the, one of the funniest things too. Same thing when I was in Iceland. Um, one of the guys I worked with, Dagur, He, I still talk to him now. He was a really good guy at Vinniskoli and uh, and uh, he he goes and talks to me one day when we're cutting grass in the backyard of this old person's house, and he goes, um, "You know, I've 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 looked up a lot of people in the Dinga book, but nobody's ever been my tenth cousin before." <laughs> I was like, "Aha! There is still a connection." It was too <laughs> funny. He was like, "Yeah, I've never seen a double-digit cousin before." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's amazing. No, it's super cool, and I don't know. Maybe we'll get an opportunity to explore to explore this in a podcast episode with a guest. But since returning, I've thought about a lot. Like, I don't know if there's any other place in the world that has kept up so much with their genealogy in that way. And of course, I don't know. I'm sure you guys had the same experience growing up. Your Icelandic uh, uh, relatives they all seem to be so connected and so interested in genealogy, and so were my relatives on you know my paternal side not Icelandic but not the same as the way Icelanders are all connected and I don't Absolutely. know if there's any other place in the world today that is as you know connected in that way it's very cool yeah it's definitely one of the earliest traces back but I thought that was normal I thought that was completely normal to like know all of your relatives and to know like exactly where your family came from like in their country and like you know, looking at like the farmstead in Iceland of like where my family came out, came from. I thought that was totally normal that everybody knew that. And then, um, because in my area it was, and then when I came to Minneapolis and, you know, you meet people who like, Oh yeah, I think I'm like a little German or something. And I'm like, Oh okay. yeah, That's no, not exactly. Same here. Like, um, especially you can even look at the way they've, they, when they, when the immigrants came over to new Iceland and the way they do it, like, we might end up having Nelson Gerard, who's uh, a very like very honored historian of the area, and they, he's uh, helped collaborate and make an entire book that actually tracks the history of all of New Iceland and all of the families and where their homesteads are. And um, I think I have it in my bookshelf somewhere. But yeah, it's just that passion for recording history and having things somewhere in a book, and it's just I think it's done them really, really positive things throughout all of time, everywhere. Yeah, no, certainly. And really, I guess without that foundation, 
you know, having the connections for programs like the Snorri program wouldn't really be possible in the same way, um, which is yeah, very cool. And it, like you said, it seems like Iceland itself as a country benefits in many ways by having such, such a connection and such an understanding of the people that live there and of the people that have left and, you know, new people there as well. And, and thank goodness for Icelandic roots for having this awesome database to uh, connect us to all of our relatives, not only just in Iceland now, but all over the globe. Um, yeah, big bonus there as well. But uh, my fam- when I was um, looking up uh, in the Book of Icelanders in Iceland, they wanted to know mm. about the Western Icelanders. They wanted to know like where everybody went after they left. And so like that was like really cool that I could pull up Icelandic roots and then it's like there's also this information that we can add. So uh, that was that was a really fun experience too of just like having them both pulled up on a computer and to have all of this information. Absolutely. Yeah, should we maybe move and pivot towards our first two weeks? It was uh, really cool the way it was structured the first two weeks. And I think a lot of the things we just talked about here, a lot of it was reinstilled in us by going through the university classes, going to the different museums and just, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's sort of impossible to, uh, to summarize all the stuff that was learned in those first two weeks in the, for the whole trip in general. But really there was so, so much uh, provided to us, so much information that I'm still like referencing my notebook remembering different things and, oh yeah, I was going to research this or look into this more. It really just opened up so much education opportunities for me. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Yeah. So for listeners, um, what we're talking about is we, for the first two weeks, we had classes on the language every day. We had geography, literature, history, uh, politics. We had a class for just about any part of Icelandic culture and that was kind of our big kickoff to our Snorri program experience. Absolutely, yeah. Hauskoli Islands really had classes for us all day. It was really full-time university gig. Um, lots of it was language, and yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, I have a, a pretty decent background in the language, and I found that just even being able to talk to the teacher really was progress for me. But that, in general, that's a whole other conversation for just being on the island, and like that forces you to learn to every end I could ever describe. But yeah, in general, the classes were really good. And the evening tours, they even brought us along. Those couple of nights that we were around Reykjavik were really cool. And also Iceland happened to be playing soccer in the stadium right beside our hostel one night. Which That was one of my favorite stories was that like, we were all by like trying to uh-huh. look over the fence. And then... <laughs> You were just like, I'm from Canada. And they're like, okay. And then they walked away. That was too funny. Well, it was so weird too, because I don't know if if I was with some of us from our group and we were just walking back to the hostel, which by the way, we stayed at Dollar Hostel. Really incredibly cool place. So much fun. But I remember walking back and there was like cop cars with their lights on and the motorcycles riding with their lights on. And they were like, uh, I guess... Yeah, they were uh, whatever you call it, like the bodyguards, bringing the soccer players to the to the stadium there. And uh, yeah, Dollar Hostel. It was a cool place. It was a lot of fun in that whole area. The pool right beside as well. Like you couldn't ask for a better setup. Absolutely, the uh, Landerslaug. It was a great little pool. Yes, not little. It was big, huge swimming pool, laps, 
like bridges, mm-hmm. water slides, multiple hot tubs at varying degrees, steam rooms and saunas. Yep. It's really full like plunge. it's a full spa, but just a public pool because they just do yeah. they just do that there. It's great. Yeah, oh. and back to the language bit. So my Ami and Avi, they both were fluent, of course, but I really went in with such a blank slate. And I, I don't know any other languages either. It was quite overwhelming. I still enjoyed the classes. Like it was cool and learning little bits of the language also in a funny way, like teaches you about the culture too. So there was like multiple lessons embedded in the actual language class. So I still got a lot out of it. And the teacher was incredible. Was her name Siri, right? Yeah, Siri. She was an incredible uh, human being just in general. So much fun and a really great charismatic teacher. So those classes were fun, but I never really fully picked up or got a grasp on the language by any means at all. Nothing like like Owen. No, I, I am in the same boat with you. I did not know very much. I knew a lot of words. And I could probably like write them out for you, but like my ability to speak any part of it was so poor and still is. But um, yeah, my um, grandfather was fluent in Icelandic as well, but um, he would mm-hmm. not speak to me in Icelandic. Um, so I did not grow mm-hmm. up with it at all. So that was kind of a disappointment. But now um, now that I know a little bit or I know a little bit more, I've been um, chatting with my great auntie, Helen, um, in Icelandic. And it's funny because she kind of, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but she speaks it like, you know, in the, the older way. And so then I'm learning, you know, pretty modern Icelandic. So she'll like say, no, that's not right. Like, oh, I know it is. It is right. <laughs> well, we, we experienced that in Iceland. I know sometimes we'd go over to the cafe right beside mm-hmm. and try to order coffee after literally just being taught the words to say to order coffee. And sometimes they would pause and say, uh, actually, I think I would say it more like this. And so there was sometimes like discrepancies between uh, maybe it's a generation thing um, or also just, I don't know, different uh, different preferences for using different words. Yeah, that made it extra confusing even for me too. But I would agree it was the pronunciation that I found difficult. But I still enjoyed like the golden dayan, golden dog, the takfira, the greetings, the thank yous. And you know what? Realistically, just with that, that can get you a long way in the general public and usings of a day. Like just even just being like golden dayan, like saying that because all the Icelanders do say it, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, there's a very funny story, Owen, and maybe this illustrates a little bit. It wasn't purely academic for those first two weeks. We certainly went out and tried to have fun on the town. And I remember one story that you told me once, Owen, and it was uh, you were at a bar and there was, you know, big Icelander and you maybe yeah. bumped into him the wrong way. But you said a specific word and all of a sudden he was very friendly to you. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is right. Yeah, he was a big unit of a bodybuilder. And yeah, I was dancing and bumped him in the shoulder. And he turned around like he was just ready to fight. And I was, oh, Peter Gaither, Peter Gaither. And he was just like, oh, he sounds good. Ekimaulith. Turned around. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was That's hilarious. I never heard that story. And then, uh, yeah, our next two weeks, we got to go to our homestay as well, which was. Uh, just as incredible, I would say, in a very different way for myself. I uh, I personally ended up settling into a really nice routine, honestly, for the two weeks. Uh, waking up and going to Viniscole Monday to Friday was pretty awesome. Packing a little lunch in the morning and hopping on my amma. I called her Kristen. She was just an angel who hosted me. I'd hop on her bike and tour down on a little Nanny McPhee bike on a basket, 
kind of down the hill across to the school where all the 16 year old kids would meet and we'd teach them and we how to cut grass and run lawnmowers. Um, that part was really cool. And then Kristen, she was a driver. She toured me all around. We went from Mosso all the way through to Reykjavik to Selfoss, where one of her daughters is, and then to Stock City to meet her son, and then back into Reykjavik downtown a couple of times. We really went all over the place. It was, uh, I was really appreciative of all that she showed me there. And, uh, she also ended up sending me an Icelandic sweater a couple months down the line after we bought some wool from a store there in Mosfjellsbeir. And that's a lifetime sweater, that's for sure. We might need some photos on our social media of these sweaters because that is a keeper for sure. Yeah, what about you, Jack? Yeah. How was your homestay? Um, Owen said a very good word, which is routine. Just getting into the routine of it all was so cool to me. And I stayed at a Kvassfadler, which uh, for me, talk about pronunciation, took me a while. It's like H-V-O-L-L, and the H-V is like a K sound, and then the L's is like another K. So anyways, it took me some time. But Kvassfadler, I think I got that pronunciation good, which is like Southern no, no, Iceland. That was good. And you could see the Vestman Islands from the farm that I stayed at. So it was very close to there. I never actually made it out there, which I'm totally fine with because it gives me, you know, same with like, we never made it to Akureyri. I didn't at least. I don't know if you did either, Cass, mm-hmm. with your home state. No. No. I think some of us were in the north and were able to go to Akureyri. So having a few places to go in the future, you know, gives extra purpose to go back to Iceland. But I stayed at a farm there, which uh, was... A, sh- a sheep farm called a sheep farm, but I really interacted with the goats much more than the sheep. The sheep, as many of you kind of know, maybe they seem to just like roam everywhere all over the countryside. They're not really contained or in one like specific yard or anything like that. But the goats were like homebodies. They always stayed near the house and we would go out every evening and lead them to the barn and then lock them up for the night. So I had a lot of experience with the goats, uh, but not so much with the sheep. They were out kind of doing their own thing. Um, then there was some horses there as well. And my experience there, like I didn't really do too much work. It was a homestay and also sort of a volunteer placement. I think some of us, Owen, you kind of got into a routine doing some legitimate work. Um, but for me, it was more just kind of an easy farm lifestyle. Painted some fence, did some fencing, did some things with the goats, as I mentioned. But for the most part, it was just like this really easy lifestyle. Super cool. Every morning I would just wake up and read take in the surrounding sites. Um, There's a few of the sort of classic legendary volcanoes, which I am not going to try to pronounce, were visible (laughs) just nearby. It was also like in the Thorsmork area, Thorsmork National Park. And so one day we did go out there, which was super cool because you need a four by four to get out there. It's like driving over stones and over streams to get through. So it was a really rugged experience. And I climbed, uh, like a you know 400 meter sort of peak with my uh, homestay, uh, the the man of the household, and uh, he was I think 70 or 72 years old. So we were out there doing some rugged hiking, which is very cool. Maybe a testament to the health and longevity of Icelanders. Um, Same to Kristen, totally. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Very. Wow. Yeah. Very uh, health oriented folks, and I guess the last experience that I'll share moments that really stood out to me was going out on the ATV, which is like four kilometers and you're out at the ocean. So just four kilometers to the south, the ocean is right there. And it was these beautiful black sand beaches. And there's some very touristy areas of the black sand beaches, but this one was just like no man's land, 
just on the edge of the farms around there. So no tourists are going there, but I was able to take the ATV, drive out there and just like hang out in this black sand beach, just watch the, the waves roll in. And the dogs would go out there with me as well. Two absolutely beautiful dogs, very smart. And so those were just like very cool experiences and part of my farm routine, which was just so calming. And I felt very immersed like with the physical landscape of Iceland, like being in Reykjavik the first two weeks, we got to meet so many people, go to university, but now being at this farm and going out to Thorsmork and going out to the ocean, I like really was able to feel, okay, like this is what the Icelandic countryside is. You know, this is what the landscape is like. I really got to know that aspect of it. Yeah. And that tied in so well to sort of like render my mental map of Iceland in such a complete way. I feel like that's such a snorry experience. Like you would never have that in any other capacity other than like you're staying with your family, you're staying in a home and you just get to go to a black sand beach. Just like, no, totally. No big deal. That's such a snorry story. Yep. Yeah. I feel like even forgot there were so many of us, right? That uh, it was hard to remember what everyone's homestay was. I loved my homestay so much. I was lucky. I had met my host family previously and I they had reached out to me and told me that they were going to host me. So I was like very excited and very ready to go stay with them. I was in Hapnafjordur. Then I commuted into Reykjavik uh, for my volunteer position and it was at a mental health organization, which that was a, I could talk forever about that experience too. Um, it was just so different from, you know, the American healthcare and American mental health system. And, um, so that was a really wonderful experience, but just staying with my family was just amazing. Um, similar to Owen, they, they shuttled me around. They showed me so many amazing things. Um, and they had been following my uh, Instagram account before and they were fully ready to show me all of the ice cream so my host mom especially she we would go to the grocery store like daily and she'd be like this is the one i had you know with my dad this was my dad's favorite or this is the one we would eat in the summer and um we would try all sorts of different ice cream shops and um she knew this random experiment of trying all the ice cream was really important to me and she fully committed and so did my um, host dad and all my family really did. Yeah, I was just lucky. We had a ton of relatives in Hapnafjordur and Reykjavik. And, you know, one of my cousins worked at a museum. So she toured me around the museum one day and they took me around like the peninsula one day. It's just, I was surrounded by family the whole time. I got Icelandic lessons over coffee and chocolate every afternoon and, um, when they had to drop me back off at the hostel when we were going on our adventure tour, I was so sad to leave them. I felt like yeah. homesick for my family, like my host family. So and I knew I really was like home because I was like, no, these yeah, are my people. You know, that's what I really think is so perfect about Snorri in general is that it gives you such a local experience, you know, like one, one could say they could travel there, you know, in general and go do whatever, but like, the fact that we got to connect to people who truly live there and have grown up there and were able to show us not only, you know, the hot spots you could maybe find on a, on a list, but like the true authentic local experience. And then to add coffee and East good and all the, all the good stuff like that. Like, it's just, yeah, just such a cool program. I'm so grateful. We, uh, we all went together and then now get to talk about it. 
Um, I guess broadening into the next one, though, the last week and a half was the tour bus ride with our wonderful tool guide, Kent Bjornsson, who we will hopefully one day have on this yes. show as well. If we can ever catch him, he's a busy world traveler. I don't know if we'll ever. That's true. He is a busy world traveler. Last time I saw, he uh, just narrowly escaped the earthquake in Turkey while landing in the Manila, Philippines. He's uh, wow. He's really on a world tour right now. He's he's rolling. But if we can catch him, he'll he'll be on here. That's for certain. But um, <laughs> I'm not sure about you guys, but for me, that was a that was a true landscape eye opener for sure. Like obviously, we went to Althinge. Uh, before and that was very cool in its own respect but um some of the stuff we saw once we got out onto the Snyfelt's Nest Peninsula and we were staying in that Airbnb with the volcano mountain to our right and you look to the left and it's the Atlantic Ocean right there on the beach and like we were horseback riding on that beach like that felt like a dream you could tell somebody like that you were in a movie and that was the scene and that's that's the filming spot right there never mind Never mind the yeah. stuff we got to see the further up we went. And we went uh, past Zikisholmer and, um, uh, oh, what's the further one up north? Past Hofsos, or not past Hofsos by there. Anywho. Yeah, the Hofsos, place where we stayed. Uh, yeah. Hofsos was the town that we went to and had the museum, but we went to uh, Holm. Holm was the uh, university oh. that we stayed at. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. The uh, um, horse place, right there, training. Yes. Uh, no, that that was in uh, that was in the Airbnb in the Snipefelt's Nest Peninsula. That was just on the south coast. They were just an Airbnb. I was thinking, oh, Southerkroker. That was the one I was thinking of across nope. the bay from Hofsos. Right, right. And then and then Holar when we were there. That's where Holar. they had the yeah, yeah the not Holar. Yeah. Sort of Holar. That's it. Yes. Uh, and that was incredible. The fact yeah. that we stayed in some of those cabins and you'd walk out and see the mountains, oh, and just the beautiful. Peninsula. And then like taking the boat to Drunke, that was. Wow. That was crazy. I've never been in, been or done something like that. It was, uh, yeah, it was very cool. Very landscape eye-opening and meeting a lot of the rural locals definitely gave me yes. a lot more of the harsher Icelandic experience and like harsher language. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking in the terms of like when I'm talking to somebody in Icelandic, they're, they're rolling in Icelandic. Like they're not, they're not coming back to the English side for uh -huh. me just when I slow down, which is appreciative because you know what, that's going to spur me to learn. Right. So it was such an experience and so much packed. That was maybe my most jam-packed week I've ever had in my entire life. Absolutely. Just day after day, on the bus, off the bus, the places that we stayed. And what was crazy maybe at the very end is we drove all the way from Holar back to Reykjavik in just like four hours. But meanwhile, to get there was like four days of adventures, four days of stopping at all these places along the way, but actually didn't like physically go that far. You know, it's sort of mind boggling, like how much is packed into Iceland, which just in general is relatively small island. You know, it's it's really just so much there. Absolutely. It was a lot more east and west than it was north and south. That's for sure. Yeah. Which again, gives us more things to visit when we go back to Iceland. I Absolutely. think going to Akureyri would be very, uh, very important. Yeah, and the Vestmanaeir as well, the Westman Islands. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. Don't put this in there, but I like, feel like I'm like blanking on what happened. <laughs> no, that's no, fair. Um, it was, uh, it was okay. a lot. Uh, we toured up through the Snyfelt's Nest Peninsula. We, uh, drive, we drove all the way around there and stayed in Stikisholmer. That was when the Snorri Group, I'll really give a shout out to the Snorri Group here. There was a lot of good community sense when we came together and did tacos. Everybody threw together tacos on that one night. Oh. Yep, that was in Stikisholmer. That was such a fun experience. Yeah, that's when you recorded the clip 
the ice uh, the ice cream clip with me. We were at Sticky's Homer just outside of the hostel there. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, that was that might have been my favorite night actually. Yeah. Um I asked everybody their favorite ice cream flavors and yeah, you had like such a great story about your grandfather and then yeah, yeah um I got to cook with like two of the mm. best people ever and yeah, we had that big big taco night. That was so fun. That was a great time. Absolutely. Um yeah. and then yeah, we cruised up to oh, what was the place on the west side of the but anywho, we stayed in the long, skinny hotel on the outskirt of town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And that was... Yes. And the wind was wild that day. That was like true... The wind was whipping. We were getting a true Islandskir wind there. Fete er weather in Islandskir. Yeah, I almost forgot about that one. Um, we went to that very nice restaurant it was like very high class very nice restaurant yeah very high class i remember taking a picture with my beer but it almost blew out of my hand on the patio <laughs> i'm trying to think where that was again yeah. now. i could uh, tell you if i looked at a map right this second but um yeah i, was, I think oh i got it sorry kvamstagi right kvamstagi 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 this is just going to be a whole episode of Owen saying really good Icelandic and Jack and I trying to <laughs> Hey, you guys are learning. By the time this season is over, quote us here now, folks, 12 episodes in, these guys will be ripping Golden Dian or a Gamana Hateve. Yow. Gamana Hateve. Yow. Well, yeah. Anywho, let's. Uh... <laughs> Owen, I think, you know, I, I think you have a future of being the Icelandic teacher for the Snorri program. Like 50 years down the road, you'll be doing the Icelandic lessons. Put me in there. Sign, put, I'll, I'll come for two weeks to house school, teach during the day, and go on tours during the night. Uh -huh. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. But uh, yeah, I guess we could probably cut the reminisce. And um... wait, I feel like. I feel like we should back okay. one step up and we should like, if you could tell people like applying, like what uh, would you say? So like advice to okay. people wanting to go in the Snorri program. Yeah. If you could say one thing to a person of Icelandic ancestry about Snorri, what's, what's that key? I think one thing, okay. For one thing I would say to just giving some different perspective, I went on the trip when I was 30 years old. I was at the, this was my last year and my last opportunity. Wow. I was at, and when it really came down to it, I was like, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to let this go. And so I think even if you're on the older side or, you know, even if you're 20, any experience can be such a positive experience and you can get so much out of it. And don't let, don't let any of that stop you, I think, is what my best advice would be. That is a really, be. really good point. You know, I would say similar, like, don't let anything hold you back in general. Like, even without like a program like this, just like anything, if you feel the need to go somewhere, you can make it happen. You know, so much of this, we were blessed with being arranged for us, but there was still like, we had to go through the application and of course, make sure we had all our ducks in the row leading up to it and everything um, working with the different organizations that were able to give us uh, grants or scholarships, however you want to word it, to help with the funding of it. But you know, I think you can create these experiences regardless. Like you can reach out, you can meet new people, you can connect with different organizations, different groups. And if you feel like a need to go and experience something and to connect with the people, you can make it work. And of course, if there's a program like the Snorri program, it helps so much. And then you can give back as well. I mean, look at us, we're able to do a podcast now, sort of just 
piggybacking off of the momentum we gain from this experience. So also that's important too. If you have experiences like this, do something with it afterwards. Continue your education, continue sharing your passion, stay in touch with the people you met and all of that sort of stuff. Like that I think is to me the most important thing to keep in mind with all of this stuff, with world travel, connecting with relatives and uh, in meeting new people and connecting with different organizations and different communities. Just stay connected. Absolutely. No, I'll, uh, I'll jump on that. And I totally agree. Staying connected and uh, yeah, continual learning, right? Like just, just being involved. Mm-hmm. Once you get there, obviously we were all inspired to do something and do more. So any chance you get, get a chance to learn or do more of that, don't ever try and put that on hold. Um, but in terms of the story program in general, yeah, the, uh, the people you meet, not only in the country of Iceland, but the group that you get there, there's something about, there's an Icelandic connection that goes very easily um and yeah you can only do this for a certain amount of time in your life right don't uh don't let that go so fast because next thing you know it could be could be out of there and it's an experience unlike anything else i'm sure any of us could say we probably will ever do in that sense again um obviously we can go back to iceland as many times as we want and do all this stuff but you're only going to be there in that year in that moment once and uh be able to experience experience it like that with so many people in such a broad and long exposed way can you get sponsored is it half sponsored by the Icelandic government but yep. it's also sponsored through scholarships and grants if you so want to put in that work mm-hmm. and i would just say before we do wrap up thank you all for listening this has been a lot of fun yeah thanks to you guys as well talk faded so that's a wrap for this episode of the Icelandic Roots podcast we hope you enjoyed listening to our experiences from the Snorri program and I think I can speak for all of us when we say we hope we inspire somebody else to to take that trip and use that program and take that amazing opportunity. If you liked what you hear today, be sure to tune in for our next episode where we'll continue to delve into the heart of Icelandic culture. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates and new episodes. Talk to you for listening. Gamana Hittafig.